And now, it's time for a Star Trek story. You know, Aaron, um, clearly you and I are drawn to each other as people. We have been in each other's orbits for some years now. Um, <laughs> um, which, um, you know, begs our question of the day. Um, Aaron, what exactly is attraction? Uh, two poles with an opposing magnetic force. Mm, opposing. Opposing, no, equal. No, right? Or equal. attractive magnetic uh, force. What magnet, is that word? Magnetic force. Two Two poles. <laughs> yeah. For some people, it could be two poles. With a magnetic yeah. force. In our case, it is two poles. <laughs> I fucked that up so hard. That yeah. was from Cass, right? Yeah. <laughs> Her answer was so perfect. <laughs> two poles. Um, that and are magnetically attracted to each other. It's like they kind of... It's like... <laughs> <laughs> it's when the two poles, the, the ends ca- of the poles kiss. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. They kind of uh, will kind of fraught. They kiss and then suddenly they just interlock. Like, fuck <laughs> it. And that's really hard to get those poles back apart sometimes. Okay. All right. Good good scientific answer from Scientific America. Um, yeah, kind of a big sticky question. Uh, but of course, we are watching Star Trek, which loves big sticky questions. So, yeah. Sticky in such a clean way in Star Trek. Yeah. Very clean. Very never clean like, and neat. sticky. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes. Uh-huh. Well, I guess we'll see on today's episode of Star Trek Stories. Thank you, millions. Thank you, millions. Um, yes, this is episode 41, The Host. Um, I, of course, am your stunning host, Jaron Hatch, and I'm joined here by my beautiful co-host, Aaron Cole. Hello, Aaron. Hello, Jaron. Oh, attractive. No, I feel beautiful. <laughs> now yeah I, I feel stunning as well um you are you're beautiful you're stunning, stunning jaron <laughs> thank you thank you aaron and all of you at home listening are of course beautiful and stunning as well um and thank you all for listening um we are starting the back half of our look at the tng glory years um, and this is the second episode in our little romantic twofer that we've been doing. Um, last week we watched Cupid, um, where our lovely friends Jake and Mindy Barnes came over and we got into some Robin Hood shenanigans, some Q shenanigans, just had a silly romantic time all around. Um, today we have a brand new guest host with us, um, Joining me on the couch, we have the very lovely Eliora Glashine. Hello. Howdy, hey. How are we, Ellie? You know, we're doing good. It's a lovely rainy Sunday, mm-hmm. meaning it's dreary. Mm, I, you know, I like. I know it, you don't as much. I love a good dreary, rainy, chilly In day. In theory, I should love rainy days, but when the sun is gone. Part of my clinical depression just kicks in real hard kicks. in the gut. Mm, literally, when the sun peeks out, huh? And then, uh, <laughs> uh, But uh, it is. There is a calmness to it. Hmm. Um, yeah, welcome to the show, Ellie. Um, for those who don't know, um, Ellie, Aaron, and I all used to be roommates way <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. Like, about a billion years ago, as I said. A billion years ago. Yeah, I mean, this is so, technically mm. this was the boys' house, but this was a very short, and we've had lots of guests on from the from multiple iterations of the boys' house, but this was a very brief time when it was the boys' and girls' house. Mm-hmm. Um, was, it, was, was it even a year? Yeah, was and it? then I think it evolved... To the girl's house? And then it slowly became the girl's. I think you were the last You were the last boy, Aaron. Aaron. I was the very last boy. You were the last boy. And then it was hell. Oh, my God. To be fair, I thought living with, like, a bunch of trashy teenage boys was hell. But no. (laughs) Living with a bunch of dramatic theater girls was even worse. worse. (laughs) (laughs) It was hell. Yeah, but that was But also fun. fun. That was a big reason why I left, as I recall. I gotta get the fuck out of here. (laughs) I left shortly thereafter too. Which is because we recently like it was basically August end of like summer when we kind of reconnected for the first time in a long time, and and now we've been like reconnecting and um, 
dating has been fun kind of talking about it with people because it's like, and we've talked about it a little bit, but it's like, it's simultaneous, like, and especially like our first date, I've described it to people as like, um, it was like reconnecting with someone and like picking back up from where you last left off. And then also like meeting someone for the first time all at the same time. So interesting. Um, time is, time is interesting. Um, cause it feels like in many ways I'm like, yeah, I recognize you, but it's also like, I don't know how it, if it's similar for you, but it's like, but I almost feel like I'm you, if I'm thinking about Ellie, I used to live with an Ellie who you are now. They feel like two people in my head. Oh, yeah, I no, it is crazy. And then, yeah, um, this is the first time I've seen Aaron from th- that time as well, you know, and, uh, yeah, we're all functioning adults, right? I like For the most so. <laughs> yeah. Um, what what was the adjective used? Stunning. Lovely. Stunning. Stunning. Lovely, Lovely. Beautiful. Host talking about relationships and attraction uh, and, and how it reflects the Star Wars. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, no. I Get out. It. I'm so sorry. <laughs> just all the fans listening. Just... <gasps> <laughs> oh, I'm so what sorry. A world. I, what a I world. already committed a faux pas. <laughs> I'm building. <laughs> no, Star Trek. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, I should say that uh, Star Trek is relatively new to me. I have uh, mostly had uh, my experience with Star Wars. I'm not saying it's better. No, um, but I've heard nothing but good things about Star Trek, and I've seen episodes here and there in passing, and I've recently started watching uh, some of the episodes of Lower Decks, which mm-hmm. has been phenomenal. It's been recommended to me many times over, and I was like, well, would I need to watch all the other Star Treks to get what's going on? And no, I am fully grasping all the, all the good times and, and enjoying it. So um, I'm looking forward to watching this episode. and. Yeah, kind of switching gears a little bit um, and kind of like addressing some of our qu- our question from earlier. So mm. mm-hmm. um, I mentioned briefly that um, you and I have been dating um, and I know some people will be like, wait a minute, does it, wait, Jenny's been on the show, like isn't, <laughs> we have mentioned briefly that yeah, um, Jenny and I are Polly and you are also Polly. Um, and so kind of tying in with kind of our question as someone like who's kind of, I mean, cause this is, when you ask someone what is attraction, you're definitely going to might get a different flavor of an answer with a poly person versus a monogamous person. Well, what do you think, Ellie? What do you think? What exactly is attraction to you? Yeah, I would definitely say that attraction is um, very much dependent on the person. Um, and it also might be something that's difficult to put into words. Um especially if you're constantly in states of trying to figure out what that means to you, what that means to you with a new person versus someone that you've been with for a long time, um, what that means, like, how you feel about it um, as, like, a current state that you might be processing other things that are going on versus, like, um, how you felt about someone throughout your you know previous like years and years of a relationship like I've been married to someone for seven years and then I've had relationships that I'd had that were long um uh, long longer term in terms of my polyamory experience that ended recently and not in a good way and then I have been trying to experience like dating from a newer perspective and attraction always means something different to me at different points in my life. And I'm always um, having to redefine it and renew what's important to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But from a (laughs) a less complicated uh, case-by-case basis uh, (laughs) um, definition, I really do think that attraction is a mixed bag of um, if you are – into uh, your sexual side, how you are sexually attracted to someone, how that manifests in like how you want to be physical with that person, um, how you are romantically invested in expressing those feelings to them, how you would like romantic interest to be reflected back at you and expressed towards you. 
and how you would like to be intellectually challenged and um, like communicated with within a romantic and a attraction level within the dynamic of the relationship, as well as how um, your attraction with that person is coexisting within the rest of your life. Um, And that is constantly something that you need to kind of check in with yourself. Um, And with, you know, coming back to polyamory um i'm sure that there is you know like polyamory attraction is probably a, a, a big umbrella term that can mean a lot of different things and um it is defined person by person moment to moment um relationship to relationship mm-hmm. well um i'll be curious to see if this episode of Star Trek gives us any more insight onto what exactly attraction is. Um, yes, um, yes, we are watching The Host um, today. Um, this premiered May 13th, 1991. This is the 23rd episode produced for the fourth season of Star Trek The Next Generation and our last episode um, from this season in our 100 episode list. Um, wow. Wow. Um, yeah, so we are in the middle of this little romantic twofer. Last time we had more of a, like a silly romantic romp. Um, and this one, yeah, this one's a little more serious. Um, so we're getting more of Star Trek's more serious look at uh, romance. Um, and then just in general, this is one of those sticky, messy Star Trek episodes where they try to like tackle something or they try to take a look at something. And, you know, usually those kind of lean into the more like social or philosophical or political but this is one of those rare times where it kind of goes more into romance and and traction and so we'll get to see when we come back how how successful we thought they were at kind of looking at that kind of stuff because we've talked about so far star trek's track record with romance is star trek is can be sexy star trek with romance that is more of a mixed bag (laughs) sometimes it really works sometimes it does not work we watched the episode with, with Picard on Ryza. And that was good. Good example of romance. That was a good one. Romance. Romance. <laughs> um, and um, this is also the introduction of the Trill into the Star Trek franchise, um, who go on to become one of the recurring races throughout the franchise, particularly in Deep Space Nine, which, of course, Deep Space Nine is getting closer and closer every episode, everyone. Yay! Um, Yeah, so the Trill were originally designed as a one-off for this episode, but the producers were so intrigued by them in this episode that they wanted to feature them more in the franchise, so they become one of those kind of like staple alien races that you see in Star Trek. So that'll be another thing we kind of look at just kind of seeing how they come across in this and trying to see what makes them potentially interesting to bring back for future episodes. Um, all right. For those of you at home who are going to watch along with us, Star Trek, the next generation is streaming on Paramount plus you can find it by bringing up season four, episode 23. And we will be back after we watch the host. should be sleeping, you need to rest. I've never felt better, except once or twice. My poor Beverly, this has been so hard for you. I wanna thank you for your caring, for your standing by me. I congratulate you. You averted a war that would have cost many lives. Yes. It seems as though everything has turned out for the best. And yes, I am still Odan and I still love you. I cannot imagine that ever changing. I'm glad that you're all right. Is there to be nothing more? Perhaps it is 
a human failing. But we are not accustomed to these kinds of changes. I can't keep up. How long will you have this host? What would the next one be? I can't live with that kind of uncertainty. Perhaps, someday, our ability to love won't be so limited. We just got done watching The Host. Um, um, yeah, in case you haven't um, seen this one before or you didn't watch it w- with us. So in this one, um, they're on their way. The crew of the Enterprise um, is on their way to negotiate a peace between these two moons. And there's uh, an ambassador with them, Ambassador Odan, who's there to do it, um, who is a Trill. Um, he and Dr. Crusher hit it off and start boning <laughs> at the very least kissing um in kissing turbo lips very intensely very intensely um and then uh he goes down to do some negotiations but his shuttle gets attacked he the he gets hurt and it's revealed that the trill actually have a worm-like symbiont that lives inside them which is really where like the personality and everything is and the host body dies and they have to get like another trill host but it's not going to be there for a few days. So they put it temporarily in commander Riker who has to be Odan. And then Dr. Crusher has to like <laughs> figure out her feelings for Riker Odan. Cause Riker Odan still has the hots for Dr. Beverly. And, um, yeah, <laughs> but he's also on like death's doorstop and human uh, host isn't as good as the trail host. No, no, no. Um, eventually, um, Beverly overcomes her weird feelings about getting involved with who she perceives to be her coworker. And, uh, but then, um, they have to pull, he, he solves the problem. They pull the, the trail symbiont out, the new host shows up and then it's a woman. And then Crusher's like, ah, you know, I can't do this. I'm sorry. Maybe one day I'll be able to love more or better um <laughs> no i have to deal with the fallout with riker for the next week and hey <laughs> does riker remember yeah. anything yeah, i know about the time that he had a worm in his body and also kissed the doctor very intensely mm. and yeah. maybe did some more than that mm. like boinking Kissing without clothes on. Oh, <laughs> That's what the kids are calling it these days. You want to kiss without clothes? Yeah, all kinds of stuff this uh, one brings up. Uh, we always start with initial thoughts. Ellie, initial thoughts coming on uh, from the host. Yeah. Um, I know Star Trek is, is known for introducing interesting sci-fi, like, moral and ethics kind of questions and this definitely felt like an episode for that um where we have a race that has a symbiotic relationship with a parasite and uh the host body um in particular and how that relates to you know like you said, the personality and, and where like the main like control comes from. I think that was like especially interesting uh, where, you know, I, I kind of like perceived it was just like this kind of body that the bugs were like, okay, I don't know, maybe, I don't know how I thought about it. Maybe they like <laughs> bred them in matrix vats or something. It makes me kind of like think about how the trill work. Like 
how do they get their bodies? How does Are like, the bodies alive? Yeah, <laughs> well, because the the new female host body walks in and she talks and she's like, "I'm the new host," and she doesn't like have like a ton of personality. She doesn't have a ton of lines because you know, obviously, is meant to just be the host for Odan. So I I think this is like. It just made, kind of made me curious about that species and about how that works. And obviously, like, Starfleet Command, I know, um, doesn't, like, interfere a lot with uh, how those individual races, like, function and work and stuff. But you, you did mention that this is kind of, like, the first time we kind of, like, see this species really and how it functions seems to be very like new at least to the doctor and and maybe to at least the the people that they're negotiating with as well and it's not like common knowledge Mm -hmm. at least Mm -hmm. um so it might be like a little hush hush and and still a little weird to space at large Mm -hmm. so yeah uh that was interesting and of course it was an interesting dynamic seeing the doctor's reaction to this parasitic host going through multiple bodies and like having her feelings change, you know, thinking of this person that she's romantically interested in as, you know, one person who looks a certain way. And then, yes, <laughs> it then looking like her coworker. And then, you know, at the end of the episode being, you know, a different gender and, you know, how that like, and, and her admitting that she's like, I don't know if I can handle that as a person. Um, so maybe it would have been an interesting thing to, like, if they had more time, obviously, more episodes, to talk about, like, if that relationship had, you know, mm. been a little bit longer, like, being a little bit more upfront about that at the beginning might have worked better, <laughs> you know. And then there's no episode. Yeah, it's just a, as I know it's a single episode. You can't really do that. Um, Communication, but, you know. Um, but yeah, it's it was awkward, um, intriguing, and it was um, in terms of like Star Wars in general. Oh my god, I did it again. Three strikes. Fuck, you're I'm out. out. I'm leaving. I'm so sorry, everybody. <laughs> I, w- I take full responsibility for my um, complete noobness. Um, no, um, in terms of Star Trek, this the next generation is what I saw a, a, a lot of as a little kid. So um, it's the most familiar to me um, from my childhood memories. So, um, yeah, that was just my first impression mm. <laughs> of the episode. <laughs> Awkward and intriguing, I think. Two good words to kind of sum up the general vibe of the episode hmm. <laughs> um, yeah um, it does bear note um, the 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 trail and future and future appearances are a little different um, than they are in this one because like you said this one brings up all kinds of questions because you know he's like oh, this body isn't me like it's this thing inside me and so you like you say it's like what like how do they how do they work and so when they show like they show up much more in deep space nine and just also just throughout the rest of the franchise but they look first off they look a little different um it's more of like they have like these kind of like spots that go down the side rather than is there a main character in deep space nine that's a trill yeah i seem to remember mm-hmm. that and she changes bodies yeah, she hosts. does she does she does um Okay, so I know a little bit about that. I do know that. Uh, yeah, so um, th- they kind of established that in the later shows that like um, the the humanoid hosts do have personalities and stuff outside of the the symbionts, and there's actually only so many symbionts, so only like a fraction of the population has like the worms inside them, where all then all the rest don't. And then they kind of describe it more as because in this one it's they kind of portray it as if the the worm inside just dominates the whole rest of like personality. And then the the other shows it's much more it's like it's like more of this kind of joining process where it takes on the personality of the humanoid host and the worm, and then all the memories of all the previous hosts. 
So it becomes this very much more complex. Uh, okay. Yeah, thing. it was pretty like cut and dry. Like you are the worm, you know, um, and it's probably you know the writing staff introducing like a proof of concept with an alien race in this episode that gets fleshed out a lot later in, in Deep Space Nine. Yeah. So. Yeah, like I said, they were they were literally just a one-off for this episode, but then they were so intrigued by the idea mm-hmm. that they wanted to bring him back. Because in this episode, it definitely works just to have it be how it's portrayed Yeah, for the conflict needed in the episode. And the way they do flesh it out, it makes sense in the situation that I keep forgetting the name of the symbiote. What's his name? Odon. Odon. Odan. 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 Like, knowing that Starfleet doesn't know a lot about your species... Like, that's probably what you would say as a trill is like, save the symbiote. I am the symbiote, save the symbiote, because that's how they view them. And DS9 is like, they regard them very highly because there are so few and they carry so much life experience. It's Spoilers. Also, yeah, one thing that they also kind of retcon is it's, it's kind of portrayed as if no one really knows this, um, at least not many people. But in D Space Nine, um, they treat it like as if this is the one thing that everyone knows about. That's like their distinctive aspect. Like, you know, C- Commander Cisco, the main character in that, he's been friends with the Trill character in that for years and has known for years that, you know, she's she's a Trills with a symbiote and everything. So they do change some stuff, which makes sense, but definitely an intriguing concept. They're also used in the franchise to often talk about, they're often queer-coded, um, they do talk a lot about kind of like, kind of like LGBT kind of Q stuff. They kind of use the trills like an analogy for both in terms of like queerness, also like kind of like I know a lot of um, trans people have talked about the trill, like people who were growing up watching Star Trek and the trill kind of like kind of spoke to them this idea of like I'm actually this, and you know, so they've always kind of used them in that kind of sense, and they. They kind of do in this one too. Um, yeah, it was it was kind of a little spattering of the the gay at the end. <laughs> we, uh, we we did have a, we added we added um, a gender change in the in the main body and how that like affected the doctor and how it was the you know odon the the symbiote being like i am still this person i am still odon and i still love you um i don't perceive myself as different and the doctor being like i do though and that's a lot for me and maybe as a human species maybe it's an inherently human thing but maybe we'll get better at it so i do think that it was good to like kind of acknowledge what she was struggling with about you know this you know alien thing to her but also it was an interesting thing to see in the show mm-hmm. yeah. um Aaron initial thoughts coming on from the host yeah I mean I was going to talk a little bit how like the thriller used to to push uh ideas about trans people you know very progressive ideas I never realized that as a kid growing up because you know I was a kid and also, I was so hetero; it's embarrassing. Still am. <laughs> so I have no idea what it's like to 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 be someone in those shoes. So it didn't hit me like that on that level as a kid. But looking back as an adult, it's it's a trip to see how much they talked about on TV in the '90s when this was still a very taboo idea, and it still is very today. But like, at least we're having the conversation, right? It's almost as if, like, you know, this the sci-fi aspect of it makes it easier to talk about because hmm. there isn't inherently the restrictions of modern society placed on these characters. Obviously, it is still a product of its time in, it, in its way, and I'm sure, you know, there are moments within the series that make it feel like that. Um, but since it is, you know, not a product of its time because <laughs> it is a, a sci-fi, it is a future. Yeah, it's a it's a sci-fi show. You aren't restricted by, you know, <laughs> 
by society in in the you know basic sense and you can explore things like you know not necessarily having to keep your own body or, or like concept of what your gender is necessarily because of that body right mm-hmm. um like it it kind of explores in this episode or like <laughs> having to think about you know what a person is in a in a way and how how you view that person that you have romantic feelings for and how it changes based on the situation that this episode uh, presents mm-hmm. yeah the symbiote is the trill is much more like a a physical soul right that they're transferring from one kind of yeah. to the next yeah. right? what happens to Riker's soul what yeah. happens to his conscience yeah. He goes to the quiet place. The quiet place. <laughs> he went into time out. <laughs> <laughs> Mental time, personality time out. <laughs> um, Just a black space with invisible um, walls. <laughs> did Riker do a good job of acting that other dude? Do you think he did? Nope. <laughs> no. No. I, I'd say actually like it's one of the weaker aspects of the show is mm. his performances. Oh, Dan, it's like, Oh my God. I, 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 it's this weird. I feel like he's both over and under acting it at the same time. I don't <laughs> <laughs> only Jonathan Frakes. Ladies and gentlemen, it's really quite impressive when you think about it. <laughs> yeah. And, and Picard, he's, he just seems like he does not know what to do about everything going on. Uh-oh. He's like, oh, doctor, I'm v- very much trying to manage everything that's inside my personal feelings. I am your friend. And if you ever need to talk, we can talk as friends. He's so awkward <laughs> in that scene. It's amazing. And he's supposed to be the sexy guy on the ship. I know, right. I'm the sexy captain. Uh, uh, Beverly, I'm um, your friend and uh, whatever Is, I uh, Whatever, whatever, <laughs> if we have feels, whatever your situation, I'm here for you. Um, I don't, as a friend, oof. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Some things that I really enjoyed about this were the practical effects were really nice. I did enjoy the the symbiote itself mm-hmm. um, was very fun to look at and kind of like glows and it pulsates. Um, I really, and I don't know if this carries through to th- the rest of the series, but the glittery medical blankets, uh, like there <laughs> is does. no reason for that. I think it actually would be distracting. Um, those, Can you use my laser scan? Oh my God, this I can't. reflecting right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, the, that's that's amazing to me. And then of course, as always, um, the, the stage makeup, I guess film makeup is always so fun to look at in Star Trek and like I feel like it's so seamless I I expect to see like parts where I can see um the the prosthetics Mm. link up with the rest of the face and they're just really good with that so um yeah really enjoyed all those little aesthetic touch points as well (laughs) um yeah, they do a good job. Like, I mean, it's definitely of its time. Yeah. And like, I think you can tell it's like they don't have the biggest budget in the world, but for what they're working with, they do a really good job with it. Mm-hmm. And Star Trek was uh, was always winning Emmys for like, particularly the makeup. Like mm-hmm. every year, Star Trek would always win for like makeup and hair, just mm-hmm. because, like you say, it's it's pretty seamless. And some of those like. I mean, you know, it's an actor in a makeup, but like the Peliarzel people, it's like that's a fairly elaborate. Yeah. Look, and you know, we kind of you know make fun of it for being kind of goofy, but I'm like, that's still a pretty. El- and you have to do that work. week after week. Yeah. What's yeah. this alien gonna look like? Here you go. Yeah. Um, very impressive that they're able to do that week after, like week after week. They're doing 26 episodes a season at this point. I'm like, God, that must have just been grueling. Being like some of the makeup costume people for this fucking show. Jesus Christ, they should get all the MAs for <laughs> for certain. Um, you got cast on Star Trek. Panic. <laughs> How long do I have to be in that makeup chair? Um, what do you guys think about, so like the kind of relationship conflict in this? Um, 
what do you think, uh, you know, what do you think they're trying to say with this whole, does, does this episode come to, like, is there like a message? Like some have a much more direct message. It's like, okay, yeah, this one was clearly about war is bad or something like, or like, you know, don't be racist. <laughs> this one, it's like, what, what, what do we think they're trying to say in this one? Is there like a takeaway, like a message? Peace and love, man. Peace and love, bro. (laughs) Yeah. The B-plot's all about, you know, negotiating peace and and avoiding war, avoiding destruction. And then the other side's all about the complications of of love and relationships. Interpersonal stuff. Yeah. Mm. It is a kind of interesting juxtaposition. I never really thought about it that. Like the, I never think about the war plot in this. It's always the relationship stuff. (laughs) It's whatever. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Behind the scenes stuff, originally there was no romantic plot to this it was just the war politics stuff in the original version I'm like thank well thank god that the the, the relationship stuff it, it it is the interesting stuff in yeah this. that's yeah it's way more interesting with the, the romance plot to it um <laughs> my my favorite line from the doctor she was like i'm a grown-up and i know <laughs> and i i know what infatuation is and and i i know what i'm doing <laughs> it, it, she did uh, she did kind of like seem like she would kind of go back and forth between reacting to what was going on and then trying to like logically walk her way through what was happening um, as well. And I think, um, I, I don't necessarily think that she reacted badly. I, it was kind of a reasonable reaction to kind of figuring out that the person that you loved was in fact like this parasitic symbiote and like, watching this personality get transferred into someone you previously known you know had known and and then working with them through like this political uh, you know conflict and trying to you know not have these planets go to war with each other i actually think she did rather well um, with managing her emotions and kind of checking in with herself and <clears throat> seeing, you know, how she was doing. Um, I think there was obviously moments from Odon's part where he'd be like, I just want to touch you. I want to kiss you. And she would be like, no, I can't. And like, yeah, you could be a little bit better about some consent stuff and communication. <laughs> sure. Odon. Um, and he's like, well, we have to talk about Mm-hmm. And she's like, you could have talked to me about it sooner. Yeah, yeah, you could have, Odon. Maybe you should have mentioned. Yeah, big L on Odon's part didn't for not think communicating. About it. It's just who I am. Come on. <laughs> well, I didn't think to mention it. It wasn't a big deal to me. It As he's given his little belly worm, like, little light <laughs> massages, I didn't, I didn't think about it. <laughs> I didn't think about it. <laughs> so we'll give props to the doctor, not give the best props to the symbiote. Mm-hmm. Future relationships, I hope that that symbiote, if if it's with a non-symbiote being, can have better communication Mm-mm. with future partners. <laughs> Please and thank you, everyone. Which Please be communicative with your partners. <laughs> that every Starfleet species struggles with. Communication. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. I feel like if... Um, I think this episode is fine as is... Um, uh, I could definitely see with like, you only have so much time, so I can only give him so much fault. I think with a couple more drafts, they could have honed in on a couple of things. I think some ish, some ideas and themes of consent would be really interesting to kind of, it doesn't necessarily need to be like what the episode's about, but I think it would be good to explore because like we brought up during like the, when Odan, when Crusher finally succumbs to Riker Odan and it's implied that they basically have sex, it's like, but there's some consent things about what about Riker? Yeah. Like, yeah. Is, is he, he consented to the procedure, but did he consent to just like. Let his body be, be fucked with. <laughs> as it were. He's like my brother. He's like, you better leave right now or else I'm going to, I'm going to get you. <laughs> and then she's like, I'm not leaving. <laughs> I'm not leaving. <laughs> not with Will in the room. 
Baby, it's cold outside. Uh, yeah, no. That, <laughs> yep, definitely, definitely, that was not addressed. Mm-mm. Very weird. Yeah. Or is it ever talked about again, I'm sure. <laughs> Never yeah. brought up or discussed. And I feel like that's one one thing that I would love to see. Like, so you get the final scene with, um, like, the new female host that comes in. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But, um, I think what it what would have been a better or more interesting last scene is a scene with Riker with like just between Beverly and Riker at the end and like addressing yeah what's happened there like cuz this is never brought up again on mm-hmm. the show mm-hmm. and we never have to deal with like Riker's feelings during all this process like once the procedure happens essentially the character of Riker is gone for the rest of the episode and I think one last I think if the episode had ended because so much of the the the, the journey and episode was about those two like you know uh, you know Riker and o, o Dan form or whatever but I think it, that would have that's something I feel like this is missing is yeah, there's a like, resolution between those two characters. There is like one comment from Picard where he's like yeah you you just sounded a lot like Riker for a second and and he's it's just like oh he like rolls his eyes at that and, and then i'm like yeah well what about that hmm, can we talk about it a little <laughs> yeah. bit talk Are about the Riker sure in the that? in the room <laughs> <laughs> i'm here i'm here help that's the c plot is Riker in the star trek cave in odan's mind <laughs> let me out of here <laughs> why are there stairs it's a cave <laughs> Um, yeah, I think a couple of things like that could have made this episode. I would have liked to have seen also addressed because they mostly just focus on Beverly's feelings about it. And, and that I think is all handled really well. Um, uh, one of the things I love about Star Trek is it's, it's the more optimistic one and it's like show compared to other shows out there. And it's always kind of showing people at their best. And I love seeing rather than someone just completely fall apart and act like an idiot, like you'd see in lots of other things, like you see, she, she handles her feelings really well and checking with, checking in with herself. Like you say, checking in with Troy and everything. What do I do here? Uh, I think all that uh, is really good, but there, this episode just brings up so many other questions that kind of are all left like kind of breadcrumbs around the table. And it's like, Oh, I just want to, I just want to see all what like some of that stuff. Um, yeah, but I uh, otherwise, yeah, barely. Every time I watch this one, I'm like, "What a messy, sticky." I would, I would. The sticky, messy is how I always describe this. <laughs> sticky and messy. Um. Um. What? What do you? So, coming to like the the ending and also the our question of like, what is attraction? Um, I don't know. What do you, with, with Crusher at the end, what do we think exactly? So some people have criticized the ending of this as being homophobic and it's like, and like this idea, like you were okay when it was like your coworker, (laughs) but you weren't when it was a, you know, a woman, like, what does that say about you, Beverly? And I know it's caused some kind of controversial opinions, like where some people are like, no, like, I think you're not being fair to Beverly in that situation, but some people are like, no, it's kind of homophobic. I don't know. What do you guys think? Like, what does that kind of say about Beverly, the themes of the episode? I don't know. What are they trying to get at with that ending? I mean, in the context of the episode, of course you understand Beverly's point of view, but like from the outside, looking at it as a, looking at it as an episode of television, I could see that point that it might be considered a little homophobic. Like maybe take it in a different direction that's more positive um did it have to end that specific way with the change of genders you know why why bring that up at the end of the episode at all it seems to be a specific choice right and she seems to when she turns around and sees her the implication is that oh it's a it's a girl now right oh no what do i do that kills it for her i think i think the reaction is definitely like the actor's interpretation of it um it might have been a direction choice as well and again might have been a product of the time like absolutely but 
it is written into the script that the character does say, I love you, remember that, you know? So it was doing its best to kind of address, like, the fact that they're recognizing the the main, you know, heart of the issue. Um, I don't necessarily, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to say. can see how it would be seen as homophobic. Um, it definitely, yeah, read as like, oh, I'm definitely not into ladies. So this relationship is off. And it also read as, you know, what she was trying to say, this is a lot for me. So um, both can be true. Yeah. Because yeah. um, on the flip side, there are also like Gates McFadden, the actor who plays Beverly. She's also talked about like, you know, there are fans who are like, who decried any hint of homosexuality in it. So, you know, some people criticizing it for being homophobic and some it's like, how dare you even put right. the <laughs> idea gayness in there. The, the, the hint of it, the hand kiss, the wrist kiss <laughs> too much scandal. Oh, my little children. Um, yeah, you know, it's it, and that's also another thing. Like, you could do like a whole episode. I mean, they could have really elaborated even on that further. Like, again, if they had more time, like, again, we've kind of talked about this before. If this, you know, how a lot of shows, you know, nowadays they kind of have like these 10 episode seasons and they'll have like stuff kind of happening over those. I could definitely see, like, you know, if they were doing this nowadays where they would kind of introduce this and then you would see this play out over time and then you would see like the host change and then have a lot more time to kind of sink into some of this stuff where they just, again, they just, they have 45 minutes to just get in, get out, shoot their shot and hope it's good. And um, I think it's a little unfair. Yeah. To call it homophobic, even though it, it, it kind of, it kind of feels that way to me. Like, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you don't, you know, you're attracted to who you're attracted to. That's just, you know, that's just how it is. It's like, would people be re- like, I could, they could have easily done it where, you know, it's another guy that she's just not attracted to. Yeah. You know, could have been an older gentleman. Right. Some old guy. She's like, oh, that's not doing it for me. And then what do you, oh, that, well, that's ageist. Yeah. <laughs> of course, there's always going to be letters. The point is, as a show, you can't really cave to the people that write you letters like that. Yeah. You just got to do the show that you're going to do. But I can maybe definitely... the future be a little more sensitive. Sorry. Oh, no. Yeah. I, I can definitely see how it reads that way. It feels a little insensitive. Um, but the the character has preferences as well. And the actor obviously has their own interpretation of, of the character as well. Um, I do think the the fact that it was explored in the first place that the troll host could still be the same person in another gender of a body and that was presented in the episode was a big step yeah like that that's important (laughs) and yeah Yeah, there was no at no point there was no question of like this is not odan now it was like no this is this is now also Odan, like, mm-hmm. and like you say, she does say like, I, I do still love you, you know? Yeah. And that is something. Um, it, yeah. And you, I, I am sure this is one of those episodes. I mean, like this is that 91. So I'm sure this is one of those ones that like the network execs were just like, mm, all right, well, we'll give it to you. Make it a risk kiss. That'll be fine. <laughs> but nothing more. Of course, I can see the other, like, I can also see some network executives. I'm like, are you sure we can't have him kissing or something? And like, the ratings one. <laughs> Do you think they filmed the kiss? Let's just try well, it. We'll do it two ways. What about a kiss on the cheek? Kiss on the cheek, yeah. A would have been hand nice. kiss. Let's do the hand kiss. Wrist kiss. She the, oh. took her hand and then kissed it. <laughs> uh, one little bit, bit of behind the scenes. The original title for this was E Pluribus Unum. Uh, which is Latin for from one, uh, from many one. I'm like, I don't think that would have read. That would have been weird. Yeah. E pluribus. Is this about America? Must be. <laughs> Wait, that's not the America I know. Um, 
Yeah, Ellie, any final thoughts on the host? So I do appreciate um, that it is thoughtful, thought-provoking, and um, can lead to these discussions. I guess that's why you have this podcast. Mm -hmm. Yes. Aaron, any final thoughts on the host? Uh, Shout out to Star Trek and other 90s shows for pushing progressive ideas forward. And shout out to Patrick Stewart. Hell of a performance. Yeah, once again. I'm sure that was his best performance in that episode. (laughs) No, uh, no. uh, This this is not his best performance. You know what? Actually, this is the first episode we watched where he probably took a back seat. He he did. He didn't absolutely steal the show just by being who he was. Yeah, the last few, it's like, even though they haven't been necessarily Picard episodes, but it's like, oh man, also shout out to Patrick Stewart as <laughs> Captain Picard for once again, like, oh my God, I, earning that paycheck. I think he was channeling how awkward it was for everybody <laughs> involved. <laughs> so maybe yes, shout out. Still Patrick. still shout out to Patrick. I have to hug it. <laughs> he, he nailed that moment though. He had, that is a little complicated feelings moment. Like, oh, I got a hug from Beverly. And then they cut. Well, thanks for coming on, Ellie. It was a pleasure to have you on. I was like, ah, yeah. oh, this will be a good one for Ellie. Um, <laughs> I know they'll have thoughts and feelings about some of this stuff. <laughs> feelings. Um, Glad I, you know, could have all those thoughts and feels. And yeah, well, thank you for having me. And this was a lot of fun. Oh, so lovely. We'll definitely have you on again. For sure. It's good to see you again. Yeah. <laughs> from the old times alright well uh, thank you for listening everyone we hope you enjoyed our coverage of the host if not the episode itself um, next week um, we are going to be jumping into TNG season 5 with Ensign Row. Um, we met future Deep Space Nine species the Trill in this one and next week we're going to be meeting another Deep Space Nine species the Bajorans um no, we'll be meeting the Bajorans, um, and we will be meeting um, recurring character Ensign Roe Laren, hence the title, Ensign Roe. Um, fan favorite uh, and Wesley Crusher replacement, though. Thank God. <laughs> um, Miss you, Wes. Yeah, we got that look to look forward to next week. We also will have a new friend on to come talk about that one with us, so always a lot of fun. Um, thanks again, everyone. Thank you, Ellie. Yay. Thank you. Yay. Thank you, dozens. Thank Th- you, Ellie. Thank you, dozens. <laughs> thank you, Thank Aaron. you, Jaren. Oh. All right. Well, uh, until next time, uh, we will see you all later. Hopefully not being possessed by an alien that's using your body for non-consensual sex. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> okay, good night. Good night. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>